I'd like everybody just to take a few moments, just relax. The Holy Spirit just wrap around you and love on you. God is a wonderful God. And the wonderful thing is when we when we go we are to go to him for our comfort. He is our comforter. He is the father that helps provide, that gives us identity, that gives us purpose, gives us a direction to go. He is our our uh, friend. Jesus is our friend. He is the one that when you need somebody to talk to and you can't really talk to anybody, he's a wonderful person to talk to. And it describes Holy Spirit as our teacher. The one that teaches us how to do new things. How to, you know, I have no solution for this. Google is not helping at all. Jesus is a good teacher. He'll, he'll even help you find the stuff on Google the first, you know, couple hits, too. I've done that at work, where I'm like, oh, no, I have a problem. And I pull it up. I'm like, okay, Jesus, help me. All of a sudden, the answer's right there. One, two, three. Okay, yay. <laughs> but um, sometimes, um, last time I talked about forgiveness, and I'm going to kind of go on the other side of this. Um, a lot of times when we are going through life, um, our buttons do get pushed. We do face problems. We do face trials. Things happen. And we're like, but, you know, Christianity is supposed to be easy. You know, Jesus came to make our life easy. It doesn't say that in the Bible. <laughs> he came to help us, yes. Not necessarily to make our life easy. So the question is, you know, more like, how are we on our worst day? The world watches us. They watch our good days. We watch their good days. If everybody received, let's say, a bonus check in the mail, let's just say that's a good day for everybody. Everybody could be happy. However, when the opposite happens, our good day, can we still have a good day even in the worst of times? Um, I love how God gives us wonderful tools, wonderful examples. One of my favorites uh, to think of things is the garden of our heart. It's springtime. <laughs> Kim didn't know she was actually like pulling pieces of my message. <laughs> It's springtime, and people are planting. People are getting their garden ready. People are uh, sowing their seeds. People are making everything ready for the new year. You know, whether you grow vegetables or flowers, you're doing things in your garden. And our heart is very much like a garden. Um, Jesus talked a lot. He, he talked to a lot of farmers, and they understood the seasons of growing, planting, harvesting in winter. They understand how you take your seed and you put it in the ground and it grows into something and then you harvest it. Um, a lot of times they call our spiritual, what comes in spirit is our fruit. And we have good fruit that comes from the tree. We may have love, peace, joy, patience, you know those. We also sometimes get bad fruit from bad trees that get planted in our garden. Um, 
In Mark 7, 14, uh, I'm going to be reading from Passion Translation, so uh, it may not match your words. Then Jesus called the crowd together, saying, Hear my words, all of you. Take them into your heart. What truly contaminates a person is not what he puts into his body, but what comes out. That's what makes a person defiled. When Jesus went back home and away from the crowd, his disciples acknowledged that they didn't understand the meaning of the parable and asked him to explain it. He answered to them, Are you as dull as the rest? Don't you understand that you are not defiled but what you eat? For the food you swallow doesn't enter your heart but goes into your stomach only to pass out into the sewer. He added, Words and deeds pollute the person, not the food. Evil originates from the person coming out of the human heart. Our evil schemes, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, treachery, debauchery, jealousy, slander, arrogance, and recklessness. All these corrupt things emerge from within and constantly pollute the person. So... I had some help with this, but the people here don't know what this is, or some people might. This represents, and I don't have like backlighting, uh, a bucket of fruit. And I made it look a lot like honey. Most of our buckets are nice and decorated. They might be fancy, and nobody gets to see what's inside. It's inside us. This is, you know, what's in our heart. So, if I open this, and would anybody like some honey on their toast or other cereal? I could minister out of the good part of this all day long. I could minister you some peace. I could minister you some joy. You need joy? I give you joy. I could give you happiness and hope. Um, I may not have any patience today. That part of the jar is empty. But... You know, I also dumped in a little black thing in here. And that's a bug. Kind of like a bug that gets into your food. That's the part I don't want to give you. I don't want anybody to know about my bugs. That's the part that defiles what's good. And if I have my bucket all covered like all of us do, our outside is covered. We can't. We don't let people see what's up. You know what's inside most of the time. What happens on our bad days is our bucket gets tipped over, and stuff starts pulling out. Our bucket gets stabbed and starts leaking. Our bucket gets kicked. Um, we get our life damaged. Uh, there's a person in the Bible, Job. He got his bucket kicked really hard. He lost a lot. We don't have control of what comes out of our bucket when it gets injured. When it just, it just pours, it, you know. Um, the easiest example is traffic. When we're driving and somebody endangers our life or our life of our children, sometimes what comes out of our bucket are words that we don't want our children to repeat. So we clean up our mess and tell our kids, you know, we don't say those words. But what if 
the same event happens and what comes out is always love for the other person. That way when our buttons get pushed, when our other things, all we have is love in our bucket. We don't have anything. So, when I was, sometimes you can't control, even when you minister, what comes out. When I was studying flute um, in high school and in college, I had the teacher tell me, you have too much tension in your sound. You are holding your instrument too tense, and it's coming out of your sound. And so she took my flute and fiddled with it, and she's like, oh, yeah, it's leaking. We need to get this repaired so you can hold it better so that your tension in your hand is not coming out of the sound of the flute. And I was like, I don't feel tense. I don't. But it was still affecting the sound. The teacher could hear it. It happens on every instrument. If you have something going on or if you have a bad day, it comes out of your playing. It comes out of your singing, especially singing. It is really difficult to hide a bad day in singing. And it's really hard to uh, hide fear in singing. That's actually the worst. New little girl gets on stage, wants to sing because she practiced a lot and she's afraid. It comes out of her voice. Actually, gets, she gets relaxed and all of a sudden the notes get easier. And it gets, it gets easier to practice. It gets easier for that. When I get on stage, if I'm having a bad morning, I get rid of my bad morning. Because I know when I worship that my bad morning comes out here. Um, I've had people um, when I'm not feeling that great, but I still worship, and I can't get rid of the not feeling great, come over to me, and they, don't, they haven't talked to me yet. And they go, are you feeling okay? Can I pray for you? I'm like, yes, I'll take some prayer. <laughs> but every time we worship, what's in us comes out. And worship is not just being on stage. Worship does not happen just here in church. Worship happens every moment of our day. With everything we do, we are worshiping something. We might be worshiping God, we might be worshiping something else, but we're worshiping something every single day. So we are on a journey. All of us are on a journey. All of us that have been saved and said yes to Christ are on a journey. And that journey is to become more Christ-like. It's to mature, to grow each day, learning to be more like him. And Christ is looking for a bride without spot or wrinkle. And this little bucket here has a spot in it. So there's a couple different ways we take care of our spots. Uh, Some people do this whole thing of uh, just removing all the bad fruit. Um, You know, they're, they're just like hold their tongue when they want to say something that they shouldn't. They might uh, use different words. It still has the same emphasis, but it's different words. But they, it's still there. It's kind of like pruning your trees and pruning all the bad fruit off. You spend a lot of time pruning all your bad fruit off. 
Jesus provides an easier way, and that's getting rid of the root. We talk about this in Old Sozo. Um, I think they talk about it in the Conqueror series, other healing ministries, our deliverance classes I took about getting rid of the root. So um, I carefully chose an example that all of us get to face. And when we went through class, everybody gets to face some form of rejection. We have rejection as even a child. Um, they talked about um, a child can mishear mom and dad speaking. Mom and dad could be speaking about something that they're not supposed to be listening to, like taxes this year or how the finances are doing. And the child could get a wound of rejection thinking that, oh, I'm a burden on mom and dad because they misheard the conversation. Uh, when I talked about forgiveness, I talked about that lady that felt rejected at six years old when she walked in and everybody was like suddenly quiet because they were planning a birthday party that they didn't wanted to surprise her with. She felt rejected for the next 50 years. And it impacted her life for the, you know. So rejection doesn't always look like rejection. It looks like hurt, anger, self-rejection, low self-esteem, apathy, perfectionism, pride, being suspicious of others, distrusting others, distrusting God, overemphasis on dress and appearance. It could be a critical spirit, inferiority or superiority. So I'm going to give an example. Let's say there's a young girl that got rejected. Let's say mom was having a bad day and said something, and all of a sudden, because she did something wrong, she feels like, okay, in order to be loved, I must be perfect. This is the lie that she believes as a little kid. She doesn't tell mom that. She's not going to tell anybody that. She just feels that she made a mistake, and she has to be perfect to be loved. And mom, dad usually don't know this. They just know that their little girl is doing everything good, behaving, keeping all the rules, doing great. She is a great little girl. She does everything right. Later in life, she has a overemphasis on her appearance. She wants to make sure her outside looks beautiful. Her hair is done right, her makeup's done right, her clothes are done right. Not for herself, but for others, because she has to be perfect. And at a certain point, you know, she has great grades, and she doesn't have an understanding why other people don't have good grades, because they're not as perfect as she is. She's reflecting that on others. Um, and then when she gets into her further life, let's say she gets a do job as a doctor, she's successful. She does everything perfect. She can have an attitude that nobody could be like her. Nobody to, can be as good as her. But what happens when something goes wrong? She may pick up, um, she may get very angry at people, you know, just like all of a sudden get very angry and then, you know, okay, sorry, I, sorry I said that. That's not like very, and she covers it up. 
and then something else happens. She gets angry. She may pick up a bad tool. Um, they call it unhealthy tools. Um, I was once at work, and they said, today is comfort food day, so we're going to bring our comfort foods to work. I was like, comfort foods? What are comfort foods? And they said, oh, it's any food that, you, that soothes you. So some people it's fried chicken, some people it's mashed potatoes, some people it's soups, some people it's, you know, you have different comfort foods. And you, some people go to it to receive that comfort. It may be from a memory that you had as a kid. And it's, it's just kind of weird. So she may pick, pick up a bad habit. There's all, way, all kinds of ways to medicate what you're feeling. And she may actually start going to a counselor about angry, anger management. And so she is sitting here picking out the angry fruit when what she really needs is to deal with the root that she received as a child. Because not being rejected or feeling accepted, being able to just be excellent and not perfect is what she really needs. I heard an interesting quote recently. What you fear will influence what you worship. What you worship will be proven by what you trust. So in your bad days, when you are afraid, you're afraid for your child's life in a car. You're afraid for your life. You're afraid of your car getting hit. You're afraid that you won't make your bills. You're afraid that this won't happen or will happen, and we could get a lot of uh, attached to fear. What do you turn to when you're afraid? That's who you're worshiping, and that's who you trust. I actually did a lot of like uh, study into what cussing was. We were talking, some moms and I were talking about what to tell your kids about cussing. You know, some my parents just have this list of bad words not to say. But what really, what is it? So when somebody almost smacks your car, yelling out the word Jesus is a prayer. <laughs> it's not cussing. It's not taking the God's name in vain because you're wanting Jesus' help right at that moment. Some other words, those might be cuss words. But yelling out Jesus' name when in a time of need you're calling on God. When I did, was taking the deliverance class, they emphasized and emphasized and emphasized and emphasized that deliverance is the children's bread. Deliverance is the children's bread. Who are the children? Those that believe in Christ. They actually also said that do not do deliverance on somebody that's not saved. So deliverance is for all of us. And most people get a bad picture of deliverance because they've seen movies. They've seen the uh, bad deliverance. They've seen serious deliverance issues. But sometimes we need more of a brushing away. And I'm going to go back to the garden idea. So let's say you have a beautiful house in the countryside. You, and you have a big garden, and those, that garden is your vegetables for the year. 
You have tomatoes, you have cucumbers, you have other things. Let's say you grow some grapes too. You have all kinds of fruit and vegetables and everything growing. So a stray animal comes and starts eating at your garden. It's taking away your produce, your harvest, your fruit. In most farmers' idea, and yes, I love animals, you end up disposing of the animal. You know, you're supposed to get rid of raccoons, foxes, groundhogs, snakes. You know, snakes love to steal chicken eggs. You remove the fox. And sometimes the enemy has approached our property. They're not in our house. They're just on our property. And those need to get brushed away. That's basically an attack, an attack of the enemy. And let's say one winter morning, you turn on your lights, and you see the cute little fox sitting there scratching at your uh, uh, glass screen door. They're not screen door, but you know the glass lighting doors? And it's hungry. It really wants food. If you decide to grab some cat food and drop it outside for the fox, you have now created a home for the fox. I've actually seen that in neighborhoods. They say, don't feed the strays. Because when you feed the strays, they're now yours. And so now that fox, that enemy, is yours. You have given it time of day. You have given it food. You haven't brought it in your home yet. But you've given it food. So the enemy sometimes will give us an idea. Give us a thought. And I'll just be personal for a little bit. At one time, I battled suicide thoughts. And it would just come in my head, just a thought. And if I play with that thought a little bit, you know, I write some music, write some poetry, I have now given that suicide thought a home. And it will continue to pester me. And it will continue to bust me. I haven't brought it in because I haven't done anything. But I've sit there and I've entertained that thought. Now, once I truly chose life, anytime that thought came, I brushed it away. I got rid of it. Like a farmer in the country, I took my gun out and shot it. <laughs> Guess what? It stopped pestering me. So sometimes our battles come in waves. Demons do not have the gift of perseverance. They're not patient. They will come and attack, and if they don't get fed, they disappear. They come, they attack, they disappear. Uh, sometimes you get a large wave that attacks your life, and you get like, bad thing, bad thing, bad thing, bad thing. And if you turn to God, it starts disappearing. All of us are completely uniquely made. We all have completely different problems and completely different battles. And just because you are battling something does not mean it's yours. Because you are trying to get rid of the pest that has started to you know, stay on your porch. 
So your battle and somebody else's battle never look the same. Never. Um, the other interesting thing is the battle that you are going through is the hardest. Not your neighbor. You might think, oh yeah, I would never do that. That's their battle. Not your battle, it's their battle. And when they win, they're powerful in that area. The battle you're going through is key to you. Um, actually, here's a, another little thing is, um, like some people are cat people and some people are dog people. So a stray cat comes and scratches on your window and goes, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And the cat person would go, oh, the kitty is so cute. Let's feed it and puts out food. A dog person would see the cat scratching on the window and goes, I don't want a cat. <laughs> that cat is just not cute enough. But if a puppy comes, oh yeah, we have to feed the puppy. And the cat person would do the opposite. Oh, there's a stray dog. We better call the dog catcher. But stray cats, ooh, that, that just, you know, it hurts my heart. Oh no, isn't it so cute? And there's another thing that I heard from another place. Um, I think it was, I think it was, uh, I think it was Brian Johnson. He spoke about worship. And he showed this cute little row of ducks ducks, a mommy duck and all the little baby ducks. When we're fighting battles, we need to be in community. And he has watched, he has like this ecosystem in his uh, farm area. And he has watched it. If a baby duck goes astray and stays away from mommy, it gets eaten. We are supposed to be a flock. And we are together. We are praying for each other. That's the part that makes us the strongest. So if you're getting in battles, the worst thing you could do is go isolate yourself. You need community. You need the other ducks. You need the safety. Um, nature programs, I love watching documentaries. The, the, the animals that are on the edge of the pack, the animals that stray from the pack, those are the ones that get chosen to get eaten. So, you know, community is there. And there's lots of books I can recommend. There's lots of videos I can recommend. There's lots of sermons I can recommend. But most of this information says go to God. See what God says. See where God says, oh, that's the root of the problem you're facing. Oh, okay. So it's not this over here, it's this over here. Mm -hmm. And he will help you figure out a way to get rid of that root. Here's another interesting root that I heard of recently. Mark 10, chapter, uh, Mark 10, 17. Jesus started on the way. A man came running up to him, kneeling down in front of him, and cried, Good teacher, what good thing am I required to do to gain eternal life? Jesus responded, Why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. You already know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not get false testimony. Do not cheat. Honor your father and mother. The man said to Jesus, 
Teacher, I have carefully obeyed these laws since my youth. Jesus fixed his gaze on him and with tender love said to him, Yet there is one thing you are lacking. Go and sell all that you have and give the money to the poor. Then your treasure will be in heaven. After you've done this, come back and walk with me. Completely shocked by Jesus' answer, he turned and walked away, very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus only told this one man that. You know, sell all you had. This man, uh, Jesus pointed to the root of his problem. His root of the problem was worshiping money. In Peter's case, he replied, you know, something a little bit later, hey, I sold everything, I'm following you. Peter might have been a little bit proud about that. But God doesn't always focus on money. If you actually read some commentary and information, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, they were wealthy. They had money. Why didn't Jesus said, hey, sell all your money, give to the poor? He didn't tell them that. They just followed him because their heart wasn't focused on money. The, what's his name? Zacchaeus? Yeah, Zacchaeus. Jesus never told Zacchaeus, sell all your, you know, give your money to the poor. Zacchaeus had other issues to deal with. And Zacchaeus, just being around Jesus, said, oh, wait a minute, I have issues. Yes, let's get rid of those. I have cheated people. Ooh. Okay, I'll take care of that, and, you know, then I'll be good. So just sometimes the issue you have is not the issue that somebody else has. Um, One person mentioned watching TV. Some of us can watch certain things and have no problem. But your friend can't watch those things because it creates a problem in them. But your friend might have problems watching other things. So one person can do one thing, one person could do another person, but they can't do the other person's things. Makes it hard to find movies to watch, but you have to make an agreement of what you're gonna watch. But uh, yeah, because sometimes it doesn't affect our heart, doesn't affect our soul the same way it affects somebody else. Just like money doesn't affect Martha and Mary's life, but it affected the uh, rich young ruler's life. Some even commented that they think the rich young ruler actually did sell all he had and went to follow Jesus, that he might be actually one of the apostles or disciples. And that's awesome. So what are some of the things we might partner with? So one of them I talked about was fears. And some fears look like religious spirits. Sometimes we don't see those that well. Um, A lot of the new churches are starting to see miracles or see miracles happen. You know, um, I was listening to a bunch of sermons from another church, and the husband is one of the normal speakers that gets up and preaches. Mother's Day, his wife spoke for the first time. And for the first time in church, gold dust fell. And she was like, uh, so what do I do here? (laughs) And her husband was like, I don't know. I've never had that happen. I've been speaking, you know, 12 years, 15 years. That's never happened to me. 
well, let's just worship a God a little bit and we'll go on. Okay. If you look on the internet and you look at some of the miracles that people are getting, you know, the wonderful things that God makes us wonder about, they get all critical about it. Well, God would never do that. That's a fear. Just because it doesn't happen to you doesn't mean God would never do it. And some people goes, where is that in the Bible? Psalms 115. God does what he pleases. <laughs> One of the other ones I hear a bunch is concessions. Yes, we are to fight for our miracles. We have things that God put on our hearts for us to fight for. We are supposed to be happy, healthy, and going for the gifts. And sometimes that is harder for one person than another, or harder for one church than another. But you, we should be going for it, not conceding about it. Concession is basically partnering that, it, yeah, that's not going to happen. Some of the concessions that are very common is that it's okay, I'm just getting old. Did um, I remember that Moses had good eyesight all the way to the end of his life? Am I still going to pray for people that have glasses that are in the church? Yeah, go for not having glasses. Go for it. Don't just let it be. You know, don't let, you know, your joints, uh, arthritis. Oh, yeah, I just have arthritis. It's just because I'm getting old. No. God could heal your joints. God, go for it. Go for being strong and young at the end of your seasons. Another one I hear for the young kids, I'm dyslexic. Uh, I have ADD. I have this. I have this. This is why I can't go forward. That's the enemy whispering, saying, okay, you have this problem. You're never going to go forward. Some of the great, some wonderful speakers and authors, their problems make them even better. Uh, when I first was listening to uh, Eric Johnson speak, Eric Johnson? I get their names confused. Okay, yeah, Eric. He has a little bit of a lisp in his mouth. And I was like, okay. It's, you know, I've been around deaf kids a lot, so it sounded like he was deaf. And then one time I saw a hearing aid on his ear. He is still contending for his ears, ears to be completely healed. He is still contending for that. It's not a sin. It's something he's pushing forward. He can get a word of knowledge. Their church has lots of miracles in it. He could get a word of knowledge saying, we're healing deaf ears today. He could turn to the person next to him and go, healed in Jesus' name, and their ears open. Then he's like, okay, healed in Jesus' name, and his ears don't change. But he is not letting that stop him from being an excellent speaker. If, if when he was a kid and that started... If he didn't feel that challenge, like, I'm going to be speaking, he would never have been up there. He, over, he overcame that, that 
place that the enemy put in his path. And there are other people that you always contend for what's going forward. You don't, you don't just back out. It's, um, you're basically agreeing with injustice in your life. We are supposed to be people of injustice. It undermines an authority. You have an authority. And the third one I want to do is disappointments. Disappointments undermine hope. Just because something didn't happen the way you thought it was going to happen, just because something didn't happen or did happen where you thought it was not going to happen, doesn't mean you have to give up hope. And there's a story in uh, Second Kings, Second Kings 5, where uh, Naaman had leprosy. He was not an Israelite. He was an enemy. But he wanted to go to Elisha and get healed. He almost did not get his healing. Uh, one, one guy was teasing is because he was watching way too much televangelism TV. He was expecting Elisha to come out, wave his arms around and say, be healed. He was expecting for God to do something a certain way. But Elisha stayed in the house. He just said his servant to go, okay, you're healed. Go dip in the river seven times. Well, actually, no. Go dip in the river of Jordan seven times, and you'll be healed. And he kind of walked away with a bad attitude. You know, we have better rivers. Why Jordan? You know, that's just silly. Luckily, he had a good servant that said, you know, if you were expecting the big man to come out, you were expecting churches that have kids healing ministries where kids just pray out of the pureness of their heart and they expect God just to heal. And they see it and they have fun. They enjoy it. The things that go on, they're supposed to matter. They're supposed to be great. They're supposed to be important. Don't lessen your standard as a Christian. Contend for things. Break off the things that are, you know, come up in your life that are just really impacting you. Just break them off. We could break them off. Jesus has given us all authority. He has given us the power. Um, it's a place in Colossians, and I'm not going to be able to find that in my notes. <laughs> There's a place in, I think it was Colossians, that says God has given all authority to Jesus, and Jesus has given us the same authority. We have, we're supposed to walk in greater works. We're supposed to be contending. We're supposed to have that pure heart and be able to minister out of that heart. We're supposed to be able to walk and do greater things than Jesus has. Can Jesus fly in an air, did Jesus fly in an airplane in, in when he lived on earth? No. He's flying in airplanes now, but um, when he lived on earth, he didn't fly in, fly in an airplane. We have airplanes. Their ministry was as, as, you know, they could ride a horse or a donkey to get a little faster than walking, but they had a certain amount of place. Now a pastor can travel around the globe minister and be home for church on Sunday. 
there's fun testimonies of pastors actually being able to walk in a bathroom and walk out in a different country. Might be able to walk back in the bathroom and come out and be home for dinner. I mean, what God can do is miraculous and miracles. Just because it's not in the Bible doesn't mean we're supposed to be afraid of it. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean we're supposed to not go for it. And anything in the Bible is fair game. One of the, I, I teach the kids, and one of the things I know the kids feel is they feel like the little guys. They feel powerless. They feel like they don't have choices. And they see all these wonderful stories. One of their questions is, is it real? I, I, my kids, the kids in the power kids haven't actually asked that yet. But kids want to know if it's real. Do miracles happen? You know, do people actually get raised from the dead? Yes, they do. People get healed. Things happen. God does cool things. And God gives us... When we listen to him, we walk in his power. We walk with him and do what he tells us to do, and things happen. Things beautiful, things happen. There is a story that I heard, and it kind of hit a place in my heart. Uh, A pastor's kid really likes certain movies, certain movies about magic. And there's like, I don't know. It, it doesn't really impact him. Is it good for him or not good for him? And he's like, why don't you ask your kid why you like the movie? So he asked his kid, why do you like the movie? And the kid says, the movie looks a lot more like the book of Acts than church does. You know, cool things happen in the movie. Cool things are not happening in church. We're not seeing the dead rays. We're not seeing the healings. We're not seeing this. And we're seeing some here. We're starting to see some really cool miracles. Someday, Gay has a cool testimony to tell. So you might be able to bug her about it. But we see cool things here. And I can attribute this to the smoke going off one time. One time I was up here with Paula, and we were, we were in prayer. And we were talking about different things. And all of a sudden, the whole sanctuary filled with smoke. And we're just like, ooh, is this God? Is this his presence coming? Ooh, this is great. We walked and we looked around and goes, well, we'll say it's God, but I think the smoke machine just went off. (laughs) It was just flowing from the sanctuary into the rest of the church. And it was like, cool. Oh, wow. It'd be great if this is God. That we were just seeing his presence and smoke filling the whole building. That expectant heart, that heart of a child is looking for those, looking for the miracles to happen. And, you know, if, if when, when you start seeing frustration and the bad things come out, It's not an opportunity to turn on yourself and start accusing yourself. That's a bad thing. It's the opportunity to take what's going on to God and say, God, I need to spend some time with you. We need to deal with this. And God might ask, say, well, 
I'm going to give you to a counselor. I'm going to give you, you need to be in this thing. Uh, one of the quickest ways to deal with a lot of stuff and one of the easiest ways I've heard is sozos. Do you know what happens in a sozo if you actually don't need ministry? God just loves on you. Don't you want an hour and a half of just God just loving on you? Telling you that you're a wonderful daughter, a wonderful son. And sometimes God, like Job, the story of Job, God sometimes will say, okay, let's deal with a little bit of pride here. Okay, we got it. I'm just going to love on you more. And there's just a wonderful hope and beauty when our hearts are purely clean. I thought it was beautiful yesterday. Um, Liliana, and I know a lot of the young girls that were there are not here, and the boys. She dedicated herself to a life of purity. And so I, my, my hope for the church is for us to grow up in maturity where our hearts are pure. Where um, things happen to us. And the world turns and says, wait a minute, when you're stressed, how did you just, like, feel love for the other person? Why is it that when things go, when your worst day happens, it is just like your best day? Because that's where Jesus really comes in and shows a difference between us and the world. When our worst day does not look like our worst day. And when we're transparent to people about that, their heart gets curious about, wow, maybe I should be Christian. Maybe Jesus will help me walk in this wonderful world where bad things happen, and I can show love. I can show peace. I have absolutely wonderful patience today. Even though everybody is hurrying me around. When I need answers, God gives answers. When I need this, God gives this. It's available. It's there. So I just want to bless you guys today. I bless you with a freedom, a freedom to take on hope, to Ask God the honest questions of what's in our heart. To ask to clear our heart, to purify our heart. To ask for, you know, is there something I'm agreeing with that I don't need to anymore? It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't have to be horrible. Because God's a loving God. And he will give you a loving response. He disciplines, but he disciplines with love. And when he disciplines, he cares for us. It's because we're his wonderful children, and he really, really cares for us. So just take in the presence. His presence surrounds you and shows you that love of a father. A father does not want to give up on his kids. That wants his kids to be the most wonderful, beautiful children in the world. Amen. Wow.
Thank you, Lord. Great, great. Thank you, Jesus. Can everybody stand up? We'll close in prayer here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> wow, you're so good, Lord. So good. Your mercy endures forever. Jesus, Jesus. 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 If there's anybody here that doesn't know Jesus, doesn't know his love, doesn't know his mercy, doesn't know his grace, he's here for you today. He's here to give you a fresh start, a new beginning. The spring is here. Kim said earlier, and Leanne mentioned it in her message this morning, that there's life in the springtime. We see it outside right now. You see those white flowers on the Bradford pear trees. You see the little green sprouts coming out. I threw some seeds out just about maybe 10 days ago, and now I see these little green things coming out from that little dead-looking seed. Easter's around the corner. The resurrection, just a few weeks away. There's life coming out. And God is saying to you, even right now, I want to give you that life. I want to give you that life in Christ. Maybe you've had a hard week, a hard life. God says, I want to give you a new start, a fresh start through my son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for you, who was raised again and sits in heavenly places for you to intercede to the Father. Hallelujah, Lord. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to say anything now. But I want you in your heart right now, if you don't know Jesus, I want you to say this. Matter of fact, let's everybody say this together. Even those of you who know the Lord. Say, Dear Jesus, I thank you, thank you, thank you for the cross for your dying for my sin, for resurrecting again, that I can have eternal life through you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just that simple prayer, that simple prayer. Thank you, Lord. Maybe some of you, Lord, uh, I know there's, there's some here today that maybe just feel like they just need a refreshing. Refreshing. 